The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Right here on 960theref.com. Episode number 83 crossover podcast presented by fully loaded pizza kitchen in Watkinsville Chris Brain from the home team David Johnston from the morning show with a uh, little bit to get into today we are just a couple of days away from G day so we'll be heavy Georgia football on this uh, edition and uh, a mention of the Falcons schedule too as the NFL put uh, the 2019 schedule out the other night and of course we We can't let the time slip past without a mention of the historic night at Foley Field just a couple of days ago when uh, Georgia beat Clemson in 20 innings in a game that lasted six hours and 33 minutes and did not end until it was after 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, it's brutal. Brutal. uh, 1.30 a.m. Game started on Tuesday, ended on Wednesday, and Georgia's got a, a weekend series with Missouri back at home, but uh, Dave G-Day coming up on Saturday, spring practice, uh, will finally get wrapped up, and I guess before we, we you know, we start diving into to the spring and, and G-Day and all that, I mean, the first thing we probably have to acknowledge and get out of the way with spring games is none of us are going to remember what happens in this game on Saturday in a couple of weeks, and there won't be a single moment in the fall that something that happens on Saturday will even be recalled, so... You know, I guess it's, uh, you know, basically it comes down to uh, it's supposed to be a pretty nice day, maybe a little on the cool side, but go out and enjoy the uh, enjoy the game and just hope nobody gets hurt. But other than that, there's not going to be anything really uh, groundbreaking or earth shattering that we see out of this thing, right? There's always the star of G-Day that has a great day, and then you don't really hear from him again. And this year's G-Day, though, is going to be one of those games where I don't think we're going to – I know the as far as what Coach Smart wants to see. I think it's about receivers and defensive backs in this game, and 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 how things are going to look at those positions. And I don't know how many times Jake Fromm's going to throw the ball. I know Stetson Bennett, and Dwan Mathis are going to certainly get a lot of snaps on Saturday, but it's what Georgia looks to see who steps up at the receiver position, and then also uh, you know defensive backs. And it's not that we won't see other plays from the uh, you know the rest of the defenders, but they're not going to be out clobbering the quarterbacks. And, and, and to be honest with you, I hope we don't see any of DeAndre Swift, and I hope we don't see any of a couple of other players. But these guys feed off of this. They've been practicing hard for the last, what, month or so, so they want to go out and play a game and, and uh, have the fans cheering for them and that kind of stuff. So there'll be that competitive nature that kicks in. But as far as what we're going to see – Saturday carrying over into the fall. It's probably like a starting pitcher in baseball. Your momentum's only as good as your as your uh, what next starting pitcher. What they like to say. So as far as G Day goes, hopefully nobody gets hurt. Everything gets wrapped up. Guys keep working hard during the summer, and then we'll see what we have when the rest of the uh, recruiting class comes in. Well, I mean, I got to confess, I spent the last month thinking this would be our first chance to see uh, Stetson Bennett. And turns out he actually played in last year's G-Day game. So I found <laughs> like that what? out. Yeah, like a couple days ago. I was, oh, he actually was in last year's G-Day game. But, uh, you know, I didn't remember that because uh, I didn't really pay attention to the G-Day game from start to finish. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. Last year we were all fired up to see 
Justin Fields. And, you know, I guess with this year's game, the, the two quarterbacks who were aren't battling for any starting playing time, it's just a, a backup position. But I don't even know if it's that. I mean, I think Bennett's the backup quarterback. And, you know, now you've got a freshman, Dwan Mathis, and I'm sure we all want to get a glimpse of him. The other angle is there's two new coordinators. And, of course, yeah. the offensive coordinator is the one that's way more under the spotlight than, you know, James Coley there than I guess Dan Lanning is. But even with that, like first of all, I don't anticipate that our offense anyway is really going to look dramatically different than what we've done in the past under Jim Chaney. I mean, maybe there are certain personnel groups that get more looks at tight ends or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, like you said, for this game Saturday, our running back core right now is pretty depleted and thin. You've got these two backup quarterbacks that are, you know, maybe jockeying for some position and the you know the receivers that's where Georgia lost with Ridley Hardman and Godwin there's a lot to replace there so I mean I would expect we just it might just be pass 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 which clearly that's not the offense will be in the fall no not at all and George is obviously the offensive identity like what you were talking about with what we had here with coach Chaney and what's going to happen here with coach Coley it's still Kirby's offensive philosophy oh wait he's a defensive minded coach no he's the head coach he has an offensive mindset and he has a defensive mindset and what does he want to see he wants to see balance but what is balance running the football when you want to and passing the football when you want to and Georgia wants to run the football more than they they want to throw the football and that's why we've got this great stable of offensive linemen and that's why Georgia's got these potentially great running backs even though we hopefully won't have to see a lot of those those guys on Saturday but that's that's the thing there too who's going to step up at the receiver position what are we going to see at the tight end position I think those are the big things on offense and and uh, basically like you pointed out too something we can't see but certainly Kirby's aware of it is how the the day goes with the coaches and with coach Coley and the the coordinators and the then on the other side with coach Lanning too so there are some things that'll be going on for G-Day that you can't hold and you can't sit there and look at but it's certainly things that the the coaching staff's going to pay attention to and then when Kirby was on with us Friday night or excuse me Monday night last this past Monday at the touchdown club you know, asked him at the very end of the interview about G-Day, and he was like, hey, you know, whatever, the, the the players and the recruits, though, they feed off of the fans. So no matter what you're going to see or if you're, you know, excited about a Georgia football game or, you know, if you're a Jake Fromm guy but you don't think you're going to see much of Jake Fromm, doesn't matter. The more people there, this is what affects the recruiting and we saw that with the uh, the 93k day back in 2016 so this will be Kirby's what fourth G day as the head coach and if you go to dognation.com Jeff Sintel's got a great list of who's going to be in Athens Saturday it's basically a who's who of four and five star recruits well and that was one of the things that DeAndre Swift called back to a yeah. kid from Philadelphia, why he what what drew him to to Georgia was he came for ninety three k day and saw that crowd and uh, yeah and time and time again and you know talking about uh, the other night when you were interviewing Kirby and that's really the the first thing he said about G Day was commenting on the recruiting and the impact there that this now has become more of an event that is a recruiting event more so than it is a scrimmage so you know the idea of like w- watching the game looking at the players, trying to, uh, you know, gather information about who's stepping up and who might contribute in the fall. I just, 
you're not going to get that, and you're not going to remember anything about the game in a couple of weeks, but the impact that it might potentially have down the road on securing a commitment, that's really what this game now has become more of than just a game that has anything to do with anything that might happen once the season actually starts. And when you get a chance, go look and go look at the list, and again, there's some very impressive targets here, and not just for 2020, but also for 2021. So there is a, a ton of players, and Kirby even said, because you know, there are going to be a lot of really, really good players that are going to be visiting here this weekend, and the crowd can make a difference on some verbal commitments and some potential signings, including our man Tank Bigsby that Jeff likes to always talk about from uh, Callaway High School in Hogansville, LaGrange area. He'll be here. And, you know, that's enough to get Jeff excited right there. Well, I, I know like every every day last uh, fall on Saturday morning, I would get some text from Jeff about Bigsby's line from the <laughs> night before. And, of course, it was always ridiculous. Like he had like seven carries for 300 yards and, you know, scored on like four or five of those carries. So, yeah, uh, yeah hey, I'm sold. The other guy, too, is that I, I think his name is pronounced Eric. Eric Gilbert, Gilbert the yeah. tight end. The guy from Marietta. Yeah. He's going to be here. The other running back that George is very high on is that running back from California, Kendall Milton. He's going to be here for the game, too. So, I mean, they are going to have a ton, a ton of recruits here. Well, and that's, you know, to go back to the the thing with DeAndre Swift, a kid from from Philly yeah. coming and looking at a crowd potentially in the stadium that day. There's, you know, here's a guy from California that he ain't going to see a crowd like this in any Pac-12 uh, scrimmage games. <laughs> Nope. I mean, you won't even see crowds like that during the regular season at Pac-12 games, save for maybe a place like, you know, Oregon or yeah. you know, Washington draws pretty well, I guess. But, I mean, heck, even if you think how good Stanford's been, and they can't get anyone to show up for their games. So, that's yeah, that's the kind of thing that could make uh, really resonate is someone from out, all the way out in California coming out and it's like, boy, this is, this is a practice and this place is packed. You know, it's going to be international, too. I see a name, uh, Theo Johnson out of uh, Windsor, Ontario. So you got Canadians coming in and locals. There's a young man playing at Athens Academy named Laneith Whitehead, who's one of the top linebackers in the country. So, I mean, it's, you've got everybody that's going to be rolling into Athens this weekend for G-Day. Yeah, I remember last year the uh, the photo that, I guess, Emmett Smith's kid was here. And, yeah. You know, Kirby took a picture with Emmett and Emmett's <laughs> wife. And, I don't Didn't Dion Sanders' son was here one year? I think, yeah, I don't know that Dion yeah. actually showed up. But right. I remember Emmett being here last, uh, last year. I think we had a um, – a former player whose dad was a pretty famous boxer. So, yes. uh, yeah, so yeah, had some some celebrity dads. The, the, cool, the coolest dad though is uh, is DeAndre Swift. Yep, like he's he wasn't a celebrity beforehand, but he's famous now just for being yep. Swift's dad. And he looks like he could go toe to toe with someone too. Oh yeah, but he's my favorite parent. <laughs> yeah, no kidding for sure. But no he became a bit of a favorite himself well georgia got a verbal commitment this uh, week from texas too. the uh, cornerback jalen kimber and uh, you know that just continues to show how georgia in this program under kirby is just casting a uh, a wide net now last year the the signing class did have a more of a, a national flavor that it did even with uh, players in the state i guess right now you got six commitments for 2020 and all but two of them the quarterback from florida carson beck and then now kimber from uh texas are the only two that aren't from the state right but uh, still it's you know the the state's got plenty in here for georgia to have a uh, superior team but whenever you can go and 
you know, pick whoever you want from other parts of the country. That's a big deal too. And Beck's sort of Georgia, right? Being from Jacksonville, he's kind of yeah, I guess so. sort of half and half there. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. And uh, from all indications, the Jeff Sintels of the world say that this signing class is going to end up being maybe the number one or number two class in the country. So anything the fans can do to help out with that on Saturday, it will be mostly appreciated. I think it's going to be a little bit cooler on Saturday. They're saying highs are only going to be like in the upper 50s, but still feel like a fall. Maybe it'll feel like a fall, crisp Saturday afternoon. Yeah, for me, it's the the way the weather's been. Like I'm wondering if that might, you know, for for some people be like, I don't know, it's a little chilly. Maybe I'll just sit this one out. But I, that's, <laughs> don't do I, it. I guess that's how I would be because it's chillier. I'd sit yeah. it out. But I'll maybe, watch it on TV. Yeah, maybe most people are like stronger than I am. We're like, no, no, that's right. This is uh, feels like the fall because remember last season, I mean, the temperatures were still in the 90s mm-hmm. in October. Yeah, we never really got until. Maybe what the tech game? Or I guess the Auburn game where it was where it started to cool. finally cool off. I know. I think that's just what we have to get used to now, year after year. It's just going to be warmer and hotter later on. Warmer, longer, yeah. Yep. But that's the you know that goes the, the the way to building what what Kirby even talked about a couple of days ago on the the offensive line is wanting the the next guy behind the starter to basically be just as good as the starter. And we look look at the line of scrimmage. It's almost. You've accomplished that there. If you think of the battle right now at one of the guard spots where you've got Cleveland, who's you know hopefully healthy from injury, and then Salyer's in there fighting, and then Mays is in there fighting. It's like basically got three five stars right there. I think right now heading into the spring, I'd be curious to see the spring game. That is curious to see what it looks like on Saturday. Where if this were the Vandy game, August thirty first, we've got at least the rotation going of at least eight or nine guys right now yeah that that will play and all you know pretty much like what kirby commented on there is the the guy behind the guy in front is just as good so if you figure like thomas is the left tackle but who would back him up Mays. yeah um you know and then that guard rotation of salyer cleveland and um and, and then Mays. and then possibly Mays yeah. and then Kendall on the other side with any of those guys stepping yeah. in there and then I guess if with Isaiah Wilson I guess Mays would probably be his backup too. too and then you know we haven't talked about the center position yet too so I mean that's the thing that and that's why these recruiting classes stacked on top of recruiting classes especially on the offensive line have been so huge and a verbal commitment for 2020 is that Broderick Jones out of Lithonia who's a five-star lineman himself so yeah it's really exciting as far as all that stuff goes but those are the kind of things that I know a lot of people will want to be watching on Saturday yeah and then the the linebackers too where yeah. all of a sudden you're forgetting about boy the the 2018 signing class is pretty good but there have been so many raves about Nolan Smith N'Kobe Dean and even Jermaine Johnson so far this spring but now like that linebacking unit is when you start to think about all right so you got Rice Anderson, Brenton Cox, and then I mean, I Nolan mean, Smith and Nicobe Dean—they're not red shirting. No, not at all. And then you even think like a, a Walter Grant—they're going to try and see what he can do carrying the football. Yeah, you know, so moving guys to the other side of the uh, the line of scrimmage, and maybe he's a product a little bit of just the numbers for the spring. I mean, I don't know, but I'm. I'm in. I want to see what he looks like running the football. So maybe there is that aspect of it on Saturday as well. You don't see a lot of running backs that, you know, big, that tall. <laughs> no, so, you don't. Yeah. 
No. That'll be a, uh, a scene. It's the uh, crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville here on 960theref.com. If you're listening on demand, or you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And every time we, we drop a new episode, we will, uh, we will just magically appear for you to uh to check us out we'll do a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll uh we'll touch we'll talk a little bit about the Falcons' schedule some notes on that we already knew who atlanta was going to play and the locations of the games home and away but now we know the order the games will be and uh what if any primetime games the team will have and of course we can't we we can't ignore the that baseball game the other night with that thing. Uh, yes <laughs> where georgia and clemson mm. just kept playing and playing and playing. Chris Brame, David Johnston with you. The Crossover Podcast on 960theref.com. I like wings. I want pizza. I need a salad because I'm on a diet. Can we sit outside? You can't please all the people all the time unless you take them to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. You'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to baked ziti, along with sandwiches, chicken fingers, and more. Plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. And a patio to enjoy the nice weather. So you can all agree the place to eat is Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. And coming soon to Five Points in Athens. Episode 83, it is the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Our uh, second half now, Chris Brame, David Johnston uh, with you. And what do you want? You want to talk about the Falcons schedule or the uh, that baseball game from the other day? Well, you mentioned we were talking football in the first segment. You mentioned the Falcons schedule. We can certainly get to the, to the baseball here in just a moment, but... I was curious what your thoughts were on this is kind of an interesting schedule. It can't be any more what's the, uh, even. Like you've got four home games, four road games, and then the bye. And then you got on the second half, four home games and four road games. So it's like literally split down the middle. And then although the, the interesting thing is the second part of the season after the bye week, there are five straight games against division opponents. Well, that's the first eight games, there's no division. Right. So the first nine weeks, because you've got the eight games and a bye week, the Falcons do play no games against the NFC South. Yes. And then five straight, and then they finish with Tampa Bay. So it's almost like a, it's like a, a college schedule, like a Big Ten schedule. You play your non-conference games, and then you get into your conference games. It's kind of weird, I know. But as far as the, the first part, you know, I guess the Falcons will be an underdog in at least their first three road games, right? They're already Minnesota, catching five catching week five, one. That's right, against the Vikings. They'll probably be the underdog at Indy. They'll probably be the underdog at Houston. I don't know. By the time you get to week six, how things are going. Are they going to be going up against Kyler Murray and Arizona? I don't know. So is it one of those where you try to survive the first half of the season and then you have – you know, at least more of your division games on the back end. I don't know. It, it's just the, the schedule's interesting. I it's to, to me, it's like when the when the schedule comes out, you want to know how many back to back road games you play. And since every team plays a Thursday night game now, is it on the home or is it at home or on the road? Because yeah. th- those home teams on Thursday nights are winning sixty percent of the games. So in a sixteen game season, that kind of an, of an edge. Just one game yep. there, the difference in a win or a loss could be huge. It could be the difference between making and missing the playoffs. So I guess for the second straight year, the Falcons are playing on Thanksgiving night, only this time they are the home team against the Saints. So um, I think they you know, they catch a break there getting to, to host instead of to, to going on the road. And they do have two different back-to-back road game weeks, but the first one 
the second game is at Arizona, which right now looks like the worst team the Falcons will play this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they get off maybe a little bit easy there because I was, you know, looking at the the history of the Falcons under Quinn. So for the last four seasons, the Falcons are four and six on the second leg of a back to back road game. They are uh, they're basically they're one and two when they play a Thursday night road game. The one win was at Tampa, and they actually keep playing the Saints on Thursday night. So they lost twice in the uh, in the Superdome playing as a Thursday night road game. So. You know, again, back-to-back road games, they're sub-500 on the second leg of those. And Thursday night road games, they're one game below 500 too. So you see where those are the things you really want to pay attention to because in a condensed season, you know, those one or two little things there could, uh, could be the difference in making or missing. So. so what are your overall thoughts on the strength of it? They open and close on the road, so that means 8 of 14 will be at home with the bye week right in the middle. Yeah, I, I think the Falcons, actually, it, it works out pretty well for them because, again, they've, they've got the two, the two instances where they do go back-to-back on the road, but I think they catch a break that, that first leg, which is Houston and Arizona. The second game is at Arizona, who have the number one pick in the draft and might be starting a rookie quarterback yeah. for the second year in a row. And then the the second instance, it's just uh, it was two. It was what, what was it? It was Carolina and somebody on the second part of the back and back. Yeah, uh, the Saints and then the Panthers. Yeah, okay. So it's two, following you know, the bye week. That's not horrible travel because I was looking at the Saints schedule. The Saints have got to go back-to-back three times, and they've got an L.A.-Seattle back-to-back, a Jacksonville-Chicago back-to-back with the Bears coming off a bye, and then a Tennessee-Carolina back-to-back. So I think the Saints actually, just from those little things and having to play in Atlanta on Thanksgiving, the uh, the Saints kind of get a, a, a worse draw than Atlanta does. I think they do too. I don't think it's terrible. Plus the plus the Falcons get three in a row and four of five at home in the second half of the season there yeah. too. So <laughs> as it was pointed out by uh, Logan, of course he's looking at it a little bit differently than we are. In the first half, they have to visit Houston where they where they blew the Super Bowl. And in the second half, they have to visit San Francisco who has Kyle Shanahan who blew the Super Bowl. Yes. So, And now they've got Tevin Coleman. <laughs> Tevin Coleman. So if you're locked into the Super Bowl, well, maybe the schedule scares you there a little bit. But other than that, I don't think it's horrible. I think it could have been a lot worse. No, and again, I think when you compare it to what the Saints have to do, and how about, how about Tampa? Tampa has two home games in the first nine weeks of the season, and they've got five straight non-home games. They've got to go to L.A., they go to New Orleans, then they play in London, then they're off, and then oh. they go to Nashville and Seattle. So the London thing's costing them a home game? Yeah. Ooh. That's, uh, that's five. Do they have two home games in the first nine weeks? Yeah, that's it. That's brutal. And they've got they, – so that, that stretch of five straight non-home games starts in L.A. and ends in Seattle oh. with a trip to London in the middle. <laughs> I hope they're getting frequent flyer mileage. I, right? That is terrible. So, like, again, like, all things being equal with, uh, especially when you play in the same division, you're basically playing the same opponents. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, little things like that, when you're playing 16 games, really, I mean, they could end up being the decider. And so, the Falcons, I think, it's, uh, I kind of like how their schedule's laid out. And yeah. also, when you look at their road games, Dome, Dome, Dome. The worst and dome. The worst of it. The only time they play outdoors, it's either you know, it, it's either Tampa, Carolina, or they've got the game in San Francisco. So, yeah. or and yeah, there's no 
tricky weather that they might have to deal with this year. And if the, I mean, the Falcons are going to get players back that were hurt last year, too. I yeah. mean, are they a good value pick to get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't what are back. their odds right now? I haven't checked. I'd have to look, too. They're... They're they're sort of middle of the yeah, pack though. The last pack. time I looked, they might be some national sleepers here this year. Well, their over under is uh, nine and a half. Okay, so that seems about. If they went ten and six, I'd take that. Yeah, absolutely. But like when you if you just look at the current season win totals of teams out there, Atlanta does not have an easy schedule. Based on that, the only two teams they play that have a a win total right now less than eight are is Tampa and Arizona. Uh, but the Rams and Saints are ten and a half. The Colts and Eagles are nine and a half, and the Vikings are nine. So that's six games against teams that have uh, right now a win total of nine or higher. And then the rest, you got eight and a half, eight and a half, eight and a half, and then three at eight. So, so what you're saying is the layout of the schedule when you talk about travel and when you talk about back-to-back road games, the layout of the schedule is good, but the teams on the schedule. Are tough. Are tougher, yeah. yeah. But that's like, you know, basically, you know, you got the Saints, the Bucks, and the Panthers are essentially playing that same schedule with the difference being, you know, the, I guess those two games where the, with the Eagles and the Vikings. So, yeah, I think the way it's laid out, I mean, when you look at the, the Saints have to go back to back three different times. And I mean, the Tampa with just five straight games where they won't play at home. Yeah. That's going to bury them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, the Panthers, I looked at them, and there's nothing really flaky about their schedule. Right. So. Well, good. Love it. And by the way, we're taping this on a Thursday. The draft is one week, or the first round of the draft is one week from tonight. Yeah. And the Falcons pick, what, 14? 14. Yeah. Unless things change. We'll see. I don't know. No, but Dimitrov likes to move. He does. He likes to move around in that draft. All right, uh, the baseball team getting set to uh, to play Missouri. I mean, by the time you listen to this, they – might have already played one game. It's another one of those Thursday, Friday, Saturday series with the uh, Easter uh, holiday coming up. And but so real- we won't get too much into the nuts and bolts of that. Mm-hmm. Other than Missouri's better than everybody thought. Yeah, they they're five hundred. Three, right? star- three starting left-handed pitchers that the dogs are going to see this weekend. But the big question is, how does Georgia bounce back from that thing? On Tuesday that went into Wednesday. Six and a half hours. Well, six hours, 33 minutes to be exact. 20 innings. And uh, I, my the, the thing I said about it was it's, uh, it, it's one of those moments you'll never forget about it. It's great that Georgia did eventually win that game. And it was certainly a spectacle. But there's no way that that should ever happen again. And we had Coach on our show this morning, and he's you know he's always in on it every Thursday. And I was just like, is there not anything in place to prevent what happened from happening again? Because in conference games, there is protocol about what happens for a curfew, and certainly if you get in the postseason, there's stuff like that. But he said, as far as he knew. Like a Georgia and a Clemson on a Tuesday night, just there's nothing there. And I said, I mean, and and I heard you say this yesterday with Jeff on the home team. You know, once you get into the game and the game's going, it's not like you can call it off. I mean, the the competitive juices are flowing, and both teams want to win, and it's going to be a, a an RP a good RPI win for for one of the teams, and it's going to be a good strength of schedule for both of the teams. But you know, what if you've gotten to three a.m. And still playing. It's like at some point, 
somebody has to use some common sense and say, we got to knock this thing off. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's got to go above their heads. I mean, yeah. the coaches and players, I get it from their standpoint. Yeah. I think, you know, Coach Strickland even mentioned it in the post game is like, yeah, I mean, the longer you went, then you didn't want to stop. <laughs> no. So it was almost like the the more they kept going, the less likely it was going to be that they quit. Because, you know, like, right. well, we've, we've come this far. There's no way we could just look at each other now and say, like, right. you know, do we want to surrender and just call it a tie? But Well, someone from the league has to bring this up during the offseason. It's like, okay, what happened to George and Clemson can't happen again. We need to put in a – just occur on these games, these midweek games that are non-conference games, like an inning can't start past eleven thirty or twelve or something like that. Yeah, because I that was ridiculous. Because if that was happening on a Friday or Saturday in yeah. the SEC, the game would uh, would be halted and they would finish. Right, it. they would not play a game to one thirty in the morning. Right, and you know if it was happening on a Sunday, the game might just end tied because one team would have to travel and leave, and that's happened and there was a tie in the sec this year and it's like listen if the game ended tied it ended tied we'll get over it <laughs> exactly exactly and if monty lee had come out of the dugout for clemson their head coach and said hey i got five players with the test at eight o'clock in the morning we got to go yeah i would say you're absolutely right you well, got to go well then george is like well you forfeit <laughs> yeah, exactly. are you forfeiting <laughs> yeah what are you saying here? Here? Maybe, maybe that's like part of the thing too it's like well Coach Strickland's like, I don't want to bring it up because then he could say, like, well, are you forfeiting? Yeah. And Monty Lee's probably like, well, I don't want to bring it up because exactly. then they think I'm forfeiting. And maybe that's where the umpires have to come in to, to play and say, I have somewhere well, to be. Yeah, I got, I got to work in the morning. I got my other job I got to do. I got to be at work. But, no, that's where the, the SEC and, and the ACC should be thinking the same thing, too. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if they have rules for their home games. I know when we go to Clemson, we start at 6, but that's a – a lot of times that's a TV thing, but you know the league's got to come up with a, a a way to keep that from happening again. That was that was not good at all. Luckily Georgia won, but it wasn't a classic game. You know, Coach Strickland said that uh, when they beat Kentucky when he was at Kent State in 2012 in that NCAA regional, that um, in their 21 innings, I think he said there had been three times where they scored past the ninth inning and Kentucky matched them and there were also three times where Kent State threw out the game-winning run wow. at the plate now see that that's ex we didn't have any of that no. Tuesday and also like I get that's a regional someone does have to yeah, win you got to do that no one had to win the other night do you yeah. think if um <clears throat> if it ended up being in baseball where you put a runner at second base to start the 10th inning that's a bad thing I, I think it's better than playing, you know, 20 innings yeah. and going to 130 where eventually, you know, I mean, like Hancock and Losey were never going to pitch in that game. Right. And I guess C.J. Smith at some point couldn't because he had come in and pinch yeah, hit. he had played. So, I mean, how many how many pitches would Darren Pasqua have been asked to throw if it just had kept going? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You I run mean, out of pitching. And Clemson was probably getting close also, even yeah. though they have an extra day to recover. And that's the other thing, too, just the recovery time. Yeah. See, I'm I'm, I'm in favor of – I don't mind ties. So, yeah. I don't even care if, they're, if they wanted to say no more extra innings. If you can't win in nine innings, maybe neither <laughs> team deserves to win. But no, I hear you. I mean, that was uh... – that was a weird night, and, again, hopefully something we'll never see again. But that, I mean, that is one where 
you know, Greg McGarity and is it Dan Radakovich yeah. is Clemson's AD. Like they woke up the next morning and went, whoa, how about that? We <laughs> played, I, our teams played 20 innings and it went to 1.30 in the morning. And they probably after that initial, I bet that was exciting. They probably needed to sit back and went, man, we probably need to do something and make sure that doesn't happen ever again, though. Well, when Jeff and I were walking out of the stadium, the Clemson bus was just pulling out, and that was about 1.45. So it was going to be at least 2.45 to 3 o'clock before they even got back to Clemson. So, I mean, that was just just, just nuts. Yeah. It really was. And that was the other thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a good game. The team struck <laughs> out 50 times yep. and in combined for 19 hits in 20 innings. That would average to, out to less than one hit an inning by both teams yes it was not a classic as far as the game itself no it, it was just a historical game because it went 20 innings yeah it was certainly unforgettable in 40 at bats the two teams combined to score in three innings wow clemson had a two-run six georgia had a two-run seventh and georgia had a one-run 20th and that was it and that one of those runs in that two-run seventh for Georgia is because what Clemson's left fielder just, as Jeff said, went lupus from the bad news bears. Yeah, he threw the ball sideways. Yeah. If we'd only known at the time, at the time what, what that, that was, was going to lead do. us into. All right, oh appreci- my gosh! Appreciate you checking us out again this week and uh, every week again. As always, you sub- subscribe to the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on iTunes, or if you just want to check us out on demand, you could do that as always at 960theref.com. We'll uh, be back again with you next week for uh, David Johnston of The Morning Show. I'm Chris Brain from the home team. This has been the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com.